if you look up the definition of revival, it means to live again. It means a restoration to life. Another translation said a restoration to vigor and to strength. Another translation said the act of reviving, a, a restoration to life, to live again. Have you ever been part of a true revival in the church? And I mean a, a true, sure, sweeping movement of God in the church, one that was one that was awesome, one that was that was so profound it was undeniable, one where where people were changed and and homes were changed and and lives were restored and the the course of the church took a different direction and it wasn't just a few people but it was across the spectrum of the church. People were were upset with their sin and they were bothered by their sin and they 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 threw themselves at the grace of God and, and God's grace was evident, his power was evident, and the name of Jesus Christ was glorified. Have you ever been part of a of that type of a revival in the church? I haven't. I haven't. Now don't, now, don't get me wrong this morning. I've been to what we call revivals. We used to hold two a year. We'd schedule them. I have preached revivals. I've led revivals. Don't get me wrong this morning. I've seen great works of God. For sure, I have. I've seen awesome movements of God. I've seen awesome church services. I was in an Easter service at the Wilbarger Auditorium when 14 people made decisions for Christ. I've seen a Sunday morning when right up here we, we baptized 23 people on one Sunday morning. I've, I've seen people, and some of you are sitting here today, whose, whose lives have been changed, radically changed, whose homes have been changed. But I don't think that I've seen a revival in the church. Not a real one. But you know what? We need to. You know what? I want to. Calvary Baptist Church, listen today, we need a revival in this church today. We need a revival in our church today. We need a true revival to spring up, a movement of God to spring up, not just a bunch of words, not something that we would try and schedule more than that, but a restoration to life, a jolt to life, a powerful movement of God all to the glory of Jesus Christ. We need a revival in our church today. Today we continue our sermon series, It's Still the Church. It's still the church. Just that name gets me excited. You know what? It is still the church. The church still has a mission. The church still has a purpose. It is still the church. That's our sermon series. We're looking at Jesus' messages to the seven churches in Revelation. This morning, our message is entitled, The Solution for a Dead Church. The Solution for a Dead Church. We're in Revelation chapter 3 today, verses 1 through 6. Revelation chapter 3 today, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of the Word of God. Revelation chapter 3, beginning here in the first verse. Now, Jesus is speaking here. Jesus says this. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. I know your deeds, 
that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments and I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, I am thankful for the good news of, of salvation through Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for my salvation, for our salvation. I'm thankful for the, the possibility of salvation. Thankful that we can sing, Lord, haste the days when our faith will be sight. We believe it will be realized. But I'm also thankful that in the meantime, you do not leave us, you do not forsake us, that you empower us, that you will use us. And I pray for your church today. I pray, Lord, as we've gathered, that, that we would hear from you today, that we would be impacted in our hearts today. I, I pray for a sweeping movement of God to begin today in us, Lord. I pray for sorrow over sin. I pray for a desire for repentance. I, I pray that the name of Jesus would be upheld as the only answer. I pray for a movement of God, Lord, today. Lord, I pray for some in this very room that do not know you. I pray that today... They would put their faith in Jesus Christ. That is my hope, Lord. I pray that you'd remove any hindrance, any barrier, and that today would be the day of their salvation to the glory of the Lamb, Jesus. Lord, I pray for this church, this church. I pray that you lead us, that you direct us, that you guide us, that you rebuke us, that you correct us, that you shape us, that you build us. But most of all, I pray until you come again that you use us and you're glorified through us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let's start to look at our verses very quickly this morning. Let's start in verse 1. Verse 1 starts off, and as is the pattern of all the, the churches that we've passed through so far, it starts off and it says, To the angel of the church in Sardis... Right. Now, once again, remember the context. The Apostle John is receiving the message from Jesus himself to relay to the pastor of this local church in Sardis. And that is, that is what's going on here. The Apostle John, he is receiving this message from Jesus himself, and that's, that's a big thing. This is the message from Jesus, I believe, for them, for us today as well, the message from Jesus and then John is to record it, he's to write it down, and he's to relay it through the pastor of this local church. It says, to the angel of the church in Sardis, write. Now let's look at Sardis for just a second. I believe the city uh, each week plays an important part of what's going on, and, and to understand what is happening in that church, we need to look at the city. So we'll start with Sardis. Sardis was another great city. Now, it was a city that at one time 
had been a capital city. Now, the capital had moved on, but at one time, this was the center of everything. At one time, it was the capital city. This city also was on one end, but it was on an important trade route. And so there's actually a crossing of two trade routes. And if if you were to follow those roads, you would come to this, this city of Sardis. This city was known for its textile work, for the production of wool. Not only the production of wool, but also the dyeing of wool. But now also the making and the trade of the garments that were made from wool. Now, uh, in the past, the, the other town had a, had a reputation for the dyeing and the trade of wool. This city had a reputation for making garments. They were sellers of clothing. And so Sardis was a very wealthy city. Another important inf- fact, uh, gold was found in a nearby river. And so there's abundant gold. And there's stories of how much gold was actually taken from this river, but out of that gold, there was the development of the minting of gold and the minting of other, of other golden things. And so out of that resource, the city had become a very wealthy city. This was a rich city. Now, this was a city that over time had, had involved itself in various forms of pagan worship. At the time of the reception of this letter, they would be worshiping the Roman emperor at this time, But they also were known for the worship of the pagan god Sybil, which was actually the same god, Diana, that was worshipped in Ephesus. Remember, she was a sexual goddess. And so there was a perverse practice in the worship of Sybil and also Diana. And so they worshipped the emperor, but they also worshipped this false pagan goddess, Sybil. It was a city, if we were to just back up and look at it today, that we would just call a worldly city. It was a worldly city. Now, one historian that I found called it, listen to this description, a city of softness and luxury, of apathy and immorality. And that was the description of this city. Very simply, it was a city that was satisfied It was a city that was comfortable. It was a city that was finding pleasure in the worldly things. And so if you were to describe this city, they would be comfortable. They would be satisfied and they would be enjoying the pleasures of the things of the world. And so today we find Jesus sends a message to this local church by the means of its pastor. Now, Jesus starts this message as he does all of these messages with a description of himself. And I have said that. I think that is a very awesome thing. Not someone else's description of Christ, but Christ describing himself. And each week it's been an awesome thing to see the description of Jesus himself. Well, he starts this message again with a picture of himself, a description of himself. This week he says, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. Now see the picture this morning. He, talking about himself, Jesus, he who has the seven spirits of God. Now some translations say he that holds the seven spirits of God. Actually in the original language it is better to say he who has the seven spirits of God. We're going to see that's important. The seven spirits of God, that is referring to the fullness 
of the Holy Spirit of God. And so he doesn't hold the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. He has the fullness of the the Holy Spirit of God. Now, we're not going to go very deeply into that. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, and Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, that image is explained. But we're not, again, we're not going to go very deeply into that, but Jesus is saying here, he has the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. It is a painting of his Trinitarian makeup. It is a, is a painting of a Trinitarian picture. Now he also says, he who has the seven stars. And so he who has the seven stars. And for the, for the third time, once in chapter one, once in chapter two when talking about the church at Ephesus, and now here in chapter three, Jesus is talking about the pastors of these local churches. And so for the third time, he's talking about this local pastor and and he's called him an angel and he's called him a star. He's told us that he holds them in his hand. And here it tells us again that he has these local pastors. And so see the picture here. See this this morning. Jesus, the one who works in the church, the one who is the head of the church, the one who knows the goings-on in the church, the one who empowers the church, does so through the Holy Spirit of God and using these God-placed pastors. Now, I'm not going to shrink back from telling you today, not for my benefit, but for your benefit, that a God-called God-placed, God-led, God-honoring pastor is God's plan, is God's blessing for his local church. He says, Jesus says that he holds them, that he has them. And so for the third time, we see the reference to the pastor of the local church. He uses them as instruments of direction for his local church. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write, he who has the seven spirits of God, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and the seven stars, the pastors, says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Jesus, having described himself, says, now I know your deeds. Deeds translates actions. I know your actions. It translates your works. It it really means this. I know what you're doing. He says, "I'm I'm not confused and I see clearly. I know what it is that you're doing. That you have a name that you are alive. If you look up that word name, it means a reputation. You You have a reputation that you are alive, but Jesus says this, but you are dead. Jesus says here in this first verse, I see you. I truly see what it is that you're doing. I see that you are known as a church that is alive. I see that people talk about you're a church that is alive. That is your reputation. But Jesus says the the reality is you are dead. Dead means in the original language no longer living, deprived of life. 
empty of life, lifeless, no longer functioning, dead. Now see this. Here's this church, and it exists in a city that is satisfied in its pleasure. It is a city that is getting along just fine in its pleasure. They're doing just fine in their wealth. And there in the midst of this city, and it seems that everything is going fine in the city, there is this church, and the church also appears to be doing fine. The city is doing fine. And there in this, in this city, there is a great church. And the church appears to be doing all the right things. And if you were to walk up and down the streets of the city, they would tell you, oh, have you heard about our church? Oh, have you heard the things of our church? And the reputation was that the church was alive. But Jesus says, there in the comfortable city, there in the comfortable church, that church is dead. Jesus, the Lord says to this church, you're without life. You're dead. Did you notice, I was thinking about this, did you notice the other churches, the previous churches, that he said something positive to them? Now, three of them, he said something very harsh to them, but all of those churches, he said something positive to him, to them to start off. He talked about some of them had persevered, We've heard of your perseverance. He says that, we've, that you've had faith, that you've kept your faith. We've heard of another one, your acts of service. We've heard the, the things that you do. But notice in this church, he says no such thing. In those churches, he had a heavy condemnation, but he said something positive first. In this church, he does no such thing. Now, I was thinking about that, and I came to this conclusion. It doesn't matter what you appear to be it doesn't matter what the world thinks you to be. It doesn't matter what you represent to be if you're dead. And I think that's what it's talking about here. You know what? There's, there's no need in coming to the casket of a dead man and starting to praise that man for his ear. There's no need in coming and say, oh, listen, I know you're dead and you're Catholic, but let me tell you 10 good things about yourself. Listen, there's no need to speak positive things to a dead man. There's no need to speak positive things to a dead church. They were dead. For the next two verses now, I want to point out the sickness that leads to a dead church and then the solution for a church that is dead. Now listen to that very carefully. The next two verses, we're going to move through these verses. I want to bring to light, I want to point out the sickness that leads to a dead church. And then I want to point out the solution for a church that is dead. Now it's pretty awesome here. In our verses, we're going to see both. You see, the goal of Christ wasn't to condemn them. It was to compel them. And I think that's an awesome thing. He tells John to tell the pastor to tell the church and the message is not to grind them up. The message is not to condemn them, but rather the message is to compel them. And today, for us today, he wants us to be aware of the sicknesses that lead to death. And so as we sit here and hear these verses today, he wants us to be aware, to be looking for the sicknesses that lead to death, but he also wants us to know the solution that lead, would lead to a revival and lead away from death. Our verses today are to compel us to be the church he's called us to be. 
I think that's pretty awesome. What are we supposed to do as a church? How do we act as a church? What's the direction of the church? Listen, the verses today are from Christ to compel us to be the church that we ought to be. Now, before we start these two verses, let me say this. If we want to see a revival, if we want to see a real revival, if we want to see the church spring up in life, if we want to see the church begin to move and, and God begin to be moving and his name to be known, if we want to see a revival in the church today, this is the formula from the mouth of Jesus. You see, we could, we could talk it to death. I mean, just tell you this. I, I've been in church my whole life. Every church walked around with their heads down saying, oh, we need a revival. Oh, that we'd send a great revival. You know what? I remember that revival. Oh, Oh, that we would see a great revival. Listen, more than words, this is the recipe for a revival from the mouth of Jesus himself. Let me, let me read verse two and we'll look at it. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. The first sickness in the church that leads to death is that they've gone to sleep. The first sickness in the church that leads to death is that they have gone to sleep. There is apathy in that church. They are unaware in the church. Now, what that means is this. They have lost sight of the mission of the church. They've gone to sleep. They have lost sight of the mission of the church. Be very sure today, the church does not exist for our comfort. It does not. The church does not exist for our entertainment. It does not. The church doesn't exist for our purposes. Oh, I would like to see this, and I would like to see this, and I would like to have more of that. The church doesn't exist for our purposes. The church doesn't exist for our pet projects. The church exists to lead people to Jesus Christ and make disciples who will make more disciples. That is why the church exists. And they had lost sight of the purpose of the church. Listen to this. And because they had lost sight of the, the purpose of the church, they had lost sight of the importance of the church. Now follow with me here. They had lost sight of the purpose of the church. They were confused in the purpose of the church. And because they had lost sight of the purpose of the church, they had lost sight of the importance of the church. Listen to me very carefully. If the church exists to be a social club, if the church exists to entertain us, if the church exists to appease us and make us feel good, then it's really not that important. Well, it's important that I feel good, isn't it? Well, it's important that we have the things that we want, isn't it? Listen, if that is the purpose of the church, it's really not that important. It's not. 
You see, a lot of organizations can do that. A lot of groups could do that. And so if you think that's the meaning of the church, the church is really not that important. But you listen to me today. If the church is to be the beacon of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if the church is to uphold the light in a world that is dying and dark, if the church is to spread the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if that is the reason for the church, listen, there is no more important entity on the face of the earth than the church of Jesus Christ if that's the mission of the church there's no more important entity anywhere than the church of Jesus Christ write that down get that if that is the mission of the church there's no more important entity on this earth than the church of Jesus Christ. And that's the sickness. They'd gone to sleep. Here's the solution. Verse 2 starts off and it says, wake up. Wake up. Jesus says that. Wake up. Wake up. It translates be aware. Be watchful. Now, I don't know how you wake up. Maybe you, you wake up and it's a slow process. That's not what this word's talking about. It's talking about being on guard, being urgent, being aware. Friends, I don't, I don't know how to, how to say this any more clearly. The world around us is dying. The world around us is grieving, is hurting in their sin. They're perishing in their sin. Listen, the world around us is going straight to hell and they're, and they're walking through the pain of it now and eternity is going to be worse than that. And the only hope they have, listen, the only hope is Jesus. There's not going to be a later hope. There's not going to be another hope. There's not a coming hope. The hope alone is in Jesus and we in the church have to wake up. Be aware. The second sickness that leads to death. Second sickness that leads to death. They were weakening in the things that matter. They were weakening in the things that matter. Now, that doesn't mean they weren't doing things. Now, surely... They were doing things. They're the, they're the comfortable church. They're the big church in the, in the comfortable city, in the prosperous city. Surely they're doing things. They are known as alive. If you're going to talk to somebody, they're going to say, oh, have you heard about the things? But they were weakening in the things that truly matter. The things that would matter, they were weakening in those things. The study of God's word. Listen, why, why do they exist? Why do we exist? It's the study of God's word. They might have been doing a lot of things, but they were weakening the things that matter. Time in prayer, individual prayer, corporate prayer, praying as the church, they were weakening in the things that matter. They're intentional witnessing. They're telling someone else about Jesus Christ. They're evangelism, leading, leading people to Jesus. They were weakening in the things that matter. This church, they were, they were sick and they were headed for death because they were weakening in the things that would truly matter. Listen, in the church today, we can take up every cause that's known to man. We can take up great and mighty causes, but if we're not doing the things that truly matter, we're headed for death as the church. That's the sickness. 
Here's the solution. Verse 2, Jesus says, So strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. Jesus says this, go back. Simple as that. Go back to those things. Go back to the things that matter. Pour yourself into the things that matter. Reprioritize. Do the things that matter. Jesus says, go back. Listen, this isn't, this isn't brain surgery. We don't need some, some, some heavy formula. He says this, you're weakening in the things that matter. The answer is go back to the things that matter. Take up those things again. In the church, we have to commit to the things that matter. We have to embrace and uphold and pour ourselves, our effort, our money, our time into the things that truly matter. If not, we're going to die. The next sickness that leads to death. They had left the work. They had left the work. Verse 2. Jesus says, For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Very simply, they left the work before it was finished. For whatever reason, maybe they became complacent, maybe they became distracted, maybe they became agitated and upset. Maybe they became satisfied like the city they lived in. We're going to see most likely they were pulled into sin, but for whatever reason, they left the task unfinished. Let me, let me tell you what I think today, and you, you may think I'm crazy, but I'm, I'm going to tell you what I think today. And I'm, I'm dead serious, and I, this is my heart. I believe the living God. I believe the God that created all things with words. I believe the God that delivered his people from Egypt. I believe the God that parted the Red Sea. I believe the God that delivered Daniel and held the lion's mouth shut. I believe the God that foretold of a coming Messiah and delivered his only begotten son. I believe the God that, that, that poured out his wrath on that son and settled the matter of sin, pouring it out on Jesus. I believe the God that walked Jesus out of the grave alive. I believe that that God, listen, I believe that God in his great grace commissioned and established Calvary Baptist Church of Vernon, Texas to lead many, 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 many people home. And today, as our world is turning upside down, our job is not finished. I believe that. Listen, I believe that. We're not here to appease each other. We're not here to, to check off a box somewhere. We're here to lead people home. We're here to lead people to Jesus. And the world's turning upside down and Jesus is soon to come and our work at this church is not done. It's not finished let me tell you this. You want to see God move at Calvary Baptist Church? Then you take up this I-4 effort. 
and you commit to it, and you say, well, I'm going to pray. I'm going to take up this effort to lead people to Jesus Christ. You want to see God move at Calvary Baptist Church? You start to take Monday night mission night seriously. We're not meeting up here to have snacks. We're meeting up here to put the name of Jesus out. You begin to take Monday night mission night seriously. You begin to invite people to church. Look at the empty seats. Who did you invite to church? You begin to invite them to where they're going to hear the word of the gospel. You begin to take it serious. You begin to tell them the hope that's within you, your coworker, your friend, your family member. Listen, if we'll finish the work, we'll see God move. You want to see a revival? Start to tell people about Jesus. We'll see a revival. Sickness is they left the task. Solution is this. Go to work. Go to work. Stay on the job. Finish the job. Pick up the hammer again. Pick up the shovel again. Go to work. Listen, we, could, we can do a lot of stuff in this church. We could do a lot of stuff. We could take up a lot of causes in this church. We could be known all over as that church. But listen, none of it's going to matter for eternity if we do not proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We started this I-4 emphasis. In October, we're going to take a smoke detector and a, and a card and a video to a 1,000 houses in Vernon in these two efforts, what if 100 people got saved? You think that's bigger than our God? You think people don't have that need? What if, what if 100 people got saved in Vernon, Texas? I'm going to tell you something. The town would start to look different. Church would start to look different. Homes would start to look different. The work's not finished. We have to stay on the task. You know what we do? We go to work. Simple as that. Let me read verse 3. So remember what you've received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. The second part of that, if they do not turn, he's going to come in judgment. That's what it's talking about. So remember what you've received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. The next sickness that leads to death, and really this is the one that propels them all. I truly believe that. The next sickness that leads to death is they have forsaken, they have abandoned the word of God. They had abandoned the word of God. Now remember the false teachers that all of these churches are dealing with. It was a growing problem. It's a growing problem today. Remember all of those false teachers and the false teachings that had entered into the church. Remember the bleeding in of the world into the church. And these false ideas of truth began to take hold in the church. These false gospels, these distorted gospels began to take hold in the church. And they were being upheld as truth. Let me say this as strongly as possible. And this is the reality. It was then, it is now as well. One sentence. When the church sets aside the word of God, they are dead. When the church sets aside the word of God, 
They are dead. Friends, understand, this is the truth. This is what we teach. This is what we preach. This is what we uphold. Not pieces of it. Not the piece that we like. Not parts of it. Not the part that the world can accept. Not distortions of it. Not deviations from it. Not additions to it. This is the word of God. And the church that abandons the word of God is dead. There's no reason for them to exist. There's no hope that they would exist. The church that abandons the word of God, the full counsel of the word of God is dead. That's the sickness. Here's the solution. Verse three, Jesus says this. So remember what you've received and heard. That's talking about the word of the prophets and the word of the apostles. Remember what you have received and heard. That is the the foundation of the truth of the church. That is the teachings of the truth of Jesus Christ. Remember the words of the prophets and the words of the apostles. Remember what it is that you have received and heard. What he's saying is this, remember the word of God. Listen, the church that leaves the word of God is dead. What is the answer? Remember, go back to, uphold the word of God. Let me tell you this. There will be a revival. Listen, we talk about our nation today. Our nation's a mess. I mean, it's a mess. Our, our, Our people are a mess. Our culture is a mess. Our homes today are a mess. Our churches today are a mess. There will be a revival when there is a revival of the word of God. That's when there's gonna be a revival. There'll be a revival when there's a revival of the word of God. Listen, you wanna know when it's gonna happen? It's not gonna be when we just sit there and hope enough. It's not gonna be to sit there when we just wish enough. It's gonna be when we say the word of God is the truth of God. It tells us of the savior of God. It tells us of the plan of God. It dictates the course of our life. And when we start to say, I'm gonna live my marriage according to the word of God. I'm gonna lead my kids and raise them up according to the word of God. I'm gonna practice in the church according to the word of God. I'm going to walk through this culture that is wicked and sorry, but I'm going to do it according to the word of God. That is when there'll be a revival in our homes, in our churches, in our nation. Fault is everywhere. The fault is everywhere. We're dying. We're gagging on the faults. There has to be a revival of the word of God. The next sickness that leads to death, living like the world. They were living like the world. Let me say this. When the church, Christians, sometimes it's easier to say, well, the church, the church, Christians, us. When Christians talk like the world, when Christians respond like the world, when Christians prioritize when they value the things the world does, when Christians act like the world, when for all purposes we're not distinguishable from the world, listen, the church is headed for death. And when the the church comes along, when Christians come along and they claim and they say it all so proudly, Jesus is the way. 
Do you understand what you're saying? Jesus is the way. When they say Jesus is the truth, when they say Jesus is the life, and yet they keep skirting around the things of this world. Get this today. See this today, youth. See this today, kids, adults. See this today. When we say those things, and yet we skirt around the things of the world, our message loses its validity. Our gospel loses its punch. Our words are robbed of its power. When we're living like the world, it doesn't matter if I say, oh, do you know Jesus? He is the way and the truth and the life. When I live like the world, I rob it of its power. Notice verse three says this. Here's your answer. So keep it. So keep it. Remember what you've received and heard. Remember the word of God. Yes, uphold the word of God. Don't abandon the word of God. But now it says this, keep it. Live it. Listen to me. Church, listen. It's not enough to sit here and hear this today. It's not enough to sit here and nod and agree with this today. Oh, I believe it, I believe it. If you're not gonna live it, otherwise you, you knock out the validity of the message. Listen, we're not just sitting here taking in information. This is the word of the living God and we are to keep it. Keep it. Last sickness that leads to death. They're fine with it. They're fine with it. Comfortable city, comfortable church, they're fine with it. They are asleep. They have become weak in the things that matter. They've left the job unfinished. They have abandoned the word of God. They're living like the world that they exist in and they are fine with it. It's okay with them. They see those things, it's okay with them. They've reconciled it somehow. I don't know how, but they're, they're just like us. They've reconciled it. Maybe it's too hard. Maybe it's too costly. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it just flat doesn't matter. Or maybe just I don't want to. I don't care. I don't want to do those things. But for whatever reason, they see those things. They're asleep. They've left the work. They're living like the world. They've abandoned the word of God and it doesn't bother them. They're fine with it. Do you see that? Do you see how absurd that is? They're dead and it's okay to them. They're cold and they're stiff and they're hard and it's okay to them. They come along and they're confronted with their deadness. But you know what? It's okay to them. They found a way to reconcile it and they've accepted it. That is the sickness. That is the sickness. God forbid that we become used to it. God forbid that dead becomes our new normal. God forbid that we'd expect death and we wouldn't seek out life. We wouldn't expect salvations and our baptismal waters to be stirred. God forgive us that we're fine with it, that death's okay. That's the sickness. Fine with it. It's fine. Here's the answer. Verse three, and repent, repent. Repent means turn your direction. It means change your mind. Turn, 
repent, come back. You know the prerequisite for a revival? The prerequisite, what it's going to take for a revival? In fact, I was thinking about this. You know the prerequisite for salvation? If anybody's ever been saved, if anybody's ever going to get saved, the prerequisite for salvation is you have to be sickened over how it is. You have to be tormented and sorrowful over your sin. You, you have to be so grieved over how it is and the, and the sadness of how it is and the chaos of how it is and the hurt of how it is that you would repent. The, the starting place for a revival is repentance. Listen, the starting place for anybody getting saved is that they see, I see the wreckage, I see the hurt, I see the heartbreak and I'm sick of it, I've had enough of it and I would turn and I would leave that sin and I would look to Jesus for my answer. Repentance is the prerequisite for all of it. Let me say this. You want to know why most churches won't see any change? It's because they're fine with it. Oh, we'd like to see revival, not really. Oh, we'd like to see God move in a great way, you know what, but we're fine if he doesn't. And the call of Jesus is to repent. Oh, that you would repent. Oh, that you would come home. Oh, that you would turn back. Oh, that you would change your mind. Oh, that you'd get enough of it. Listen, hadn't you had enough of it yet? How much more do you want? Oh, that you'd get enough of it, that you'd be grieved over it, that you'd be sorrowful over it. Oh, that you'd be saddened and that you would repent. Come back, repent, turn. Verse four. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Here's the thing in verse 4. Not all the people had done this. That's what it says. Not all, not all the people had done this. God remembers those who had. Not everybody soiled their garments. It means that they've been brushing in with that. Not everybody's gone that direction. God sees who hadn't. God remembers who hadn't. He tells them he's going to reward them. But here's the thing of verse 4. Evidently, a few wasn't enough. A few wasn't enough to keep from being called dead from the mouth of Jesus. A few evidently wasn't enough. You see, it's not about the few. It's about the many. It's a, it's a body. It's about the, the many, not about the few. And a few wasn't enough. Verse 5, he who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a couple of weeks. That's too great to, to move quickly over. I'm going to come back to that. That's an awesome promise right there. This sermon series may never end. Let me look at verse 6. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is more pointed today to me than any time he said this in the past. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Once again, it is a corporate call, but it is an individual response. The Spirit is speaking to the church, it's speaking to the mass, but the decision is an individual decision. You see, 
Revival is going to start with me. And revival is going to start with you. And so this last verse brings us to the question, so what about you? Listen very carefully. We're almost done. What about you? Are you awake? Have you lost sight of the mission of your church? Have you lost sight of your mission as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ? And in losing sight of your mission, have you lost the importance of the church? Is the church something, well, I'll come, I might, I, I will if I can, or is the church of vital importance to you? Have you lost sight of the mission that God's given you as a believer? Have you lost sight of the mission of the church? And because of that, have you lost the importance of your church? How about you? How about you? Have you weakened in the things that matter? How about you? Have you weakened in the things that matter? Let me ask you this. How's your Bible study? If we could put your hours up here on the screen right now, what would it look like? How's your Bible study? This is the word of God, a treasure from God. How's your Bible study? How's your prayer life? Individually and corporately. You know when our attendance on Sunday night took a half? We had a praise and prayer service. Four or five people said, well, it's just prayer. I'll stay home. How's your prayer life? We get to come before the, the throne of God, messed up, sorry sinners such as I, and in the grace of God and the righteousness of Christ, we get to come not in timidity but in boldness. How's your prayer life? Have you slipped in the things that matter as individuals and corporately? How's your witnessing? Oh, the church ought to do better than that. How's your witnessing? How's your evangelizing? Who have you told about Jesus? Have you weakened in the things that matter? What about you? Have you left the task unfinished? you become distracted? Has sin taken you away? Or have you become satisfied that enough's enough and, and maybe somebody younger or somebody different will take it up from here? Have you left the task unfinished? Most of our county will perish outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you left the task unfinished? How about you? Have you abandoned the word of God? I think most of us here say, oh, no, I know that's the word of God. I know that's the word of God. I, I, I uphold the word of God. I believe it. But listen to me. I'm talking about practically. Is it directing your steps? Because I don't care how much you hold it, how much you read it. If it's not directing your steps, you've abandoned the word of God. Are you treating your spouse the way you have been instructed according to the word of God? Are you leading your kids the way the word of God instructs? Are you handling your finances the way the word of God instructs? Are you witnessing to a lost world the way the word of God instructs? Is it dictating the steps of your life? Or have you abandoned, left the word of God? How about you? Are you living like the world? Do you try to get as close as you can to some imaginary line? Are you lured in by the things of the world? Are you skirting along the, the cares of the world? Have you, have you said, you know what, it doesn't matter. These things are okay. God will forgive. God has great in his grace and the things of the world look so attractive that I'm gonna get as close as I can to those things. Listen to me. Could others validate the message of the gospel according to your life or would your life discredit the message of the gospel? You living like the world? And here's the biggest one, maybe the biggest of them all. Have you got to the point that you're just fine with it? 
You know what? I don't, I don't order my life according to the word of God. You know what? I, I don't live in a way that others would be able to validate the message of the gospel. You know what? I, I, I'm tiptoeing as close as I can to the sorry things of this world. You know what, I'm asleep. I don't, I don't see the lostness around me. Look, open your eyes. Look at the lostness around you. Have you got to the point that you're just fine with it? Well, let me tell you, me too, the answer for all of that is the call of Jesus. Repent. Go home. Go back. Repent. Oh, but I've gone so far. Oh, I've become so numb. Oh, I've become so distracted. Oh, my heart's so cold. Oh, I'm such a long way from there. Repent. Most gracious thing of a gracious God is that He would give us an opportunity to just turn. You know what? You know what? If, 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 if He was as sorry as us, He'd strike us with lightning, He'd drop something right on top of our heads. He'd say, enough's enough, enough's enough. Slander my name no more. Enough's enough. He says this, just repent. Come home. Repent. The answer for us, repent. The key to a revival, repent. The hope of Calvary Baptist Church, repent. Go home. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today now, I'm thankful for the truth of your word. I'm thankful for the grace and the kindness of the truth spoken. You don't withhold it. You don't make a standard and not tell us about it. You don't, you don't put it out there and then, and then clobber us with it later. You tell us the hope is in you. The truth is in you. The answer is in you. The standard is going to be you. But you also tell us when we turn, when we go the other way, we can repent, we can turn, we can go back. Lord, I pray that you're welling up in our hearts. I pray that you're making us grieve over the way things are. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that would repent. Repent, Lord. Help us repent. Lord, I pray that you've spoken through your word. I pray that you've convicted through your word. I pray that our, our hearts are pounding according to your word. I pray we wouldn't rest well tonight unless we repent. And I pray the, the result will be a movement of God, a true revival, a, a jolt to life. The gospel would go out, folks would be saved, and Jesus would be glorified. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the call to repent. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.